0: Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 is where we are. We're continuing our series, uh, You Are Loved. And today we're talking about maybe what we could say is the hard side of the fact that we are loved, the difficult side at times. Here's the key concept. God loves you even when He disciplines you. God loves you when he disciplines you. In other words, God's love is corrective. And that's what we need to realize and receive. Today I'm going to do something rare. I don't, I don't ordinarily do it, but I'm going to start with a poem. And here's how it goes. I must not interfere with any child I have been told. Naturally as a flower, he or she will unfold. Yet flowers have the discipline of wind and rain. And though I know it gives the gardener pain, I've seen him use his pruning shears again and again. I do not know, but it seems to me that only weeds grow naturally. Not great literature, but a good insight. And that is, God does not want us to be weeds in His garden. Part of His love for us includes the discipline of correction He prunes us, prunes our lives so that we can become what He wants us to be, what He knows we can be. Here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, that thought comes out. It says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent His rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those He loves. As a father, the son He delights in. If you have been loved by a parent growing up, you have been disciplined. Maybe you had a certain way of telling when you were in trouble when you were a kid. A certain way that the, the, the home just felt, a certain sound that you heard. And you knew you were in trouble, an attitude of look at the fa- face of your parent. One guy said that uh, middle names were invented to know how much trouble we're really in <laughs> when we, they use our middle names. But imagine what you would be like if you were never disciplined. Oh, my. What a wretched person I would be. Discipline is necessary to guide us. Discipline is necessary to teach us for our healthy development. Discipline prepares us for the life we are meant to live. When I was in college, uh, I played soccer. I enjoyed playing soccer. I still enjoy the game. But I hated the conditioning part of soccer, the getting ready for the game. Particularly, we had a a drill that was that we called the Indian drill. And in this particular drill, the entire team lined up and they we ran the perimeter of the fields of the athletic fields uh, of the college. And as we were running, the coach would have a whistle. We ran faster than a jog, but not at a sprint. And as he blew the whistle, the last person in the line had to sprint to the front of the line while the line was was moving around and around the fields. And and whistle after whistle, each of us dreading the moment when that whistle was going to be for us, and we needed to sprint to the top of that, uh, for the front of that line. I hated that whistle. Sometimes I hated the coach who blew that whistle. Sometimes I hated the sport that caused the coach to feel the need to blow that hated whistle. It was tough, but it was discipline. And it's what we needed so that we could excel in the game. Tom Landry, the longtime coach of the Dallas Cowboys, once said, It is the job of a coach to make the players do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to achieve. Now, there are times when God is that coach. There, is time, there are times when God brings out of His love that into our life which is discipline, maybe even painful, but it's a blessing. It's so that we can achieve what He knows we are meant to achieve. Now, let's not be simplistic when we talk about the concept of God's discipline. There are different reasons that discipline comes into our lives. One of those reasons is simple, to punish our wrongdoing. Speaking of the descendants of King David who violated the law of God, the Lord says in Psalm 89, I will punish their sin with the rod. God knows that sometimes we need to be chastised for what we have done in violation to His law. The word punish there is used in the sense of the old-fashioned word chastening. Chastened. Correct by rebuke or punishment. That's what it means. Ultimate punishment for sin, of course, is condemnation. But along the way, chastening comes. It's different than condemnation. It's not the ultimate punishment, but it is that punishment during the journey While we can be corrected, we still need punishment as chastening to correct our sin. And oftentimes it comes simply as the natural consequences that God has built into His world for certain behaviors. You do this, and this happens. The consequence that comes. But sometimes it is God's special intervention with that rod of discipline telling us that you ought not to live that way, showing us that this is something that He cares about and it gets us back on the right road. The need for uh, discipline as punishment, chastening is a necessary truth. And it's always given out of love to help us grow for our welfare and for our good. Sometimes it is simply the case that our behavior reaps punishment. And sometimes it's the the case that God disciplines us to protect us. Paul has that reflection in 2 Corinthians 12. He says this, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Paul is identifying the reason for this discipline, if you will, He's not saying, God gave me this thorn in my flesh because I was prideful or conceited. But he's saying, since pride and conceit was a possibility and a problem in my life that God saw in advance, He gave me this, which is uncomfortable, this discipline, to prevent me from going there, to protect me from that sin. In other words, God's discipline there is proactive, Out of care and concern, he disciplines so that I will not go where I should not go. It's like the Marine at boot camp who learns to obey the orders of his superiors without question so that in the day of battle on the battlefield, those will be hardened reflexes so he can accomplish what he's meant to accomplish. Paul, like that Marine in boot camp, didn't enjoy that discipline. He didn't want that thorn in the flesh. In fact, he tells us he asks three times, for it to be taken away. And I can imagine Paul's thinking as he prepares to pray that prayer, Lord, take this thorn away. I can imagine he's thinking, you know, I've already been warned. You've you've told me this is a possibility. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. You've gotten my attention. It's going to be fine. I know to watch out for pride. But God knew better. God understood that in this case, just being warned about it was not good enough. He needed to feel that discipline to avoid the possibility that God was concerned about for the Apostle Paul. And as that was occurring in his life, not only did uh, God allow Paul to avoid the pride, he taught him other lessons as well, valuable lessons. 2 Corinthians 12 continues in verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. In the midst of all of that, that discipline not only averted him from pride, it taught him the lesson, I need to rely on Christ's strength, not my own strength. There are things that I can't get done, things I can't do on my own. Now, it's vital that we listen when the discipline for protection comes from the loving hand of our Heavenly Father. Because when we don't listen to that discipline or protection, that proactive discipline, we end up in trouble. I don't know if you still recognize the name Jack Abramoff. He's not been in the news for years, but for a long time he was a top lobbyist in Washington, D.C. He was a well-connected Wheeler dealer in 2006, however, he was sentenced to six years in federal prison for mail fraud, conspiracy to bribe public officials, and tax evasion. He went to prison. But what intrigued me about this story, about his fall from the, the the heights that he was in, was in an interview he said this. He said, God sent me a thousand hints that he didn't want me to keep doing what I was doing. But I didn't listen. So he set off the nuclear bomb. Now some of us can relate to that. We can relate in intimate detail. We were doing what we ought not to be doing, and there was that close call of being discovered, but we didn't deter. A friend warned you. You had trouble sleeping because you knew that you were in the midst of something that just wasn't right, that indigestion problem that nobody could explain, that voice of conscience that popped up every once in a while, but yet we persist and the nuclear bomb comes. And what was it? The end of a marriage, the end of a career, the end of a relationship, the end of seeing your children, the end of a relationship with your parents, lost wages, a lost future. I've listened to many stories, and over and over again, this is the common detail. The warning lights were there. God's protective discipline was showing up, born of love, but it was ignored. Don't ignore God's protective discipline. And sometimes God disciplines us to make us better, to purify us, to enable us to be the better version of ourselves that He knows we can be and He wants us to be. Jesus is speaking in John 15 and He says this, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. That's the discipline to purify us. It's a pruning process. You've heard the phrase, God loves you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. That's true. He's working on us. He's pruning us. Taking away that which is of the dead and the useless and so that the good and the growing can thrive. That's that's the pruning process. But pruning hurts sometimes. And oftentimes when the pruning is taking place, We get mad at God. We don't recognize that as discipline of love. How dare He treat me this way? Pruning is messy, and pruning is a process. But God realizes that for the soft of heart, even this process will be seen as an act of His mercy. We're able to relate to that on a human level, and I think we can relate to it by thinking about those may be in your circle of relationships or in your family relationships who are caught up in addictions. Many of us have been touched by that over the course of life. And it's so painful to watch. We weep over the trap that they're in. We're angry and we're frustrated and we're disgusted. Not because we hate the person, but we hate what's happening to the person. We're angry over the self-destruction, over the loss of promise over the burning down of the future that could have been, all because of the addiction. And if we could, we would enter the life of that person and prune that out, cut that away. One author writes, love detests what destroys the beloved. Real love stands against the deception, the lie, and the sin that destroys And if you're experiencing the pruning of God, that's the position that he's in. He detests that which is destroying you. And he's cutting away that which needs to be cut away. And if you ask him to do less of that, you are asking him to love you less. Because he's doing it out of love. Our God is not an indifferent God. He's not a dispassionate God. You don't want an indifferent God or a dispassionate God, any more than you want an indifferent doctor. You wouldn't keep an indifferent doctor. Imagine your doctor at your checkout, and he says, yeah, that lump, it looks like cancer. Oh, well. You're not going to go back to that guy. That's not a doctor you're going to stick with, and that's not our God. An indifferent God is not the true God. A permissive God is not the true God. God rages over our sin because He knows it's spiritual cancer in our life. And he's trying to cut it out. And that discipline is born of love. And the message of God's discipline is clear. In order to find out that message, what discipline tells us, we have to go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 refers to the verse here in Proverbs that we're we're reading, and then it it goes like this. Hebrews 12, verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness." What is the message of discipline? You're part of the family. That's the message. You're part of the family. Think of it this way, adults. What do you do when you see kids that aren't your kids acting out? No, I'm not talking about doing something dangerous where you need to intervene and rescue them, but something that you know their parents wouldn't approve of. You aren't their parent. You don't have that relationship or that role. So, like most parents, most adults, you hesitate to intervene. A thought pops into your mind. It's not for me to step in. I mean, the parent probably wouldn't want them to use that language. The parent wouldn't want them to play in that manner. But I'm not the parent. It's for the parent to step in. That parent has that relationship. When you're not the parent, you don't discipline. But the true parent who truly loves steps into that child's life because they have the role of a guide and the one who nurtures them, and they discipline. Hebrews' author says, God is treating you as a son when he disciplines you. You're part of the family. If he wasn't related to you, if you weren't part of the family, you wouldn't feel that discipline. And that word son there, that Greek word son, doesn't mean little baby son. It means an older child. In other words, the implication is you're never going to grow out of this. You always are going to need the discipline of your heavenly Father. There's going to be a tendency for us to stray, even as mature believers. We need the Father's intervention. And you might think to yourself, well, I wish you'd just leave me alone. Thank you very much. I'm perfectly happy to make my own mistakes, and I'll just deal with the consequences when they come. I can get along fine without my Heavenly Father sticking His nose in and disciplining when I go wrong. But if you're asking for that, you're asking for Him not to love you. The message of Hebrews 12 is discipline is a signal. You're loved by the Father. You're valued by the Father. And lack of discipline means lack of relationship. Verse 8, if you are not disciplined, then you are an illegitimate child. And so why, why does God discipline? What are the goals? God has perfect goals in mind and a perfect timing. Even the best parents, the best human parents with the best intentions, we make mistakes. But we have a Heavenly Father who never makes mistakes. In His application of discipline in your life, one author writes, His correction never misses the mark. It's perfect in its timing, its application, and its intensity. He always disciplines in fairness and firmness to achieve His perfect purpose. You can't say that about human discipline. I mean, we try our best. We really do, but sometimes we just don't get it. Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we're we're a little too angry in the application of discipline. But God's timing is perfect, its application is perfect, its intensity is perfect, and He has the goal that through it we will walk in righteousness. Verse 11 of Hebrews 12. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. That's what He wants for us. Righteousness and peace. It's not that he's just nasty, taking you through a hard time. He's trying to produce righteousness and peace. When I teach on family matters, there's a little saying that I repeat over over and over again. And I say it to parents who maybe are reluctant to discipline their children. And I say, we discipline our children now so that they will grow up to be self-disciplined later. And God is doing the same thing for you. He disciplines us now so that we can learn that way of righteousness. He disciplines us now so that we can see that way of blessing, so that we can self-choose the way He wants us to live. External discipline is meant to allow us internal self-control and discipline also. But secondly, His goal is that we'll learn his assignments for us in life, that we'll follow the path He has for us. We are not going to fulfill our destiny for God if we're never disciplined by Him. Psalm 119 says this It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. It was good for me to be. Nobody would say that going in, oh, I hope I'm afflicted today. No. But looking back, it was good for me because as I learned those decrees, I am led towards my destiny. I think of that quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but He shouts in our pains. And He's shouting. He's shouting, this is the way. He's shouting, here's the corrective measure. He's shouting, you can do better, and you can experience more. So I look at this. I see this topic. I know it's true, but I have a question. And my question is, how do I know when a trial comes into my life, how do I know if this is God's discipline out of love or if it's just some random thing that's happening to me because the world is broken? How do I know the difference? And the truth is this. Most of the time, at least in the beginning of my experience, I can't tell. I don't know the difference. There may be a moment when I look back at this situation and say, ah, that's what God was doing. That's how he was molding and shaping me. But going in, I often don't know where this is coming from. And the fact of the matter is, though, I don't think it's that important. Because God can use all things to shape us and mold us. And since I'm not perfect and neither are you, I think it's best that we face every trial, every difficulty, even a pandemic difficulty, saying, God, what are you teaching me in this? God, what can I learn in this? God, how can I grow in this? Because I'm choosing to see all that you do, even that which sometimes is hard. I'm choosing to see behind it, you love me. And discipline is the evidence of your love. And by it, we are molded toward righteousness. So, Lord, help us receive it. That's what we should pray. Help me receive it and learn from it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we recognize the truth that You love us enough to sometimes discipline our behavior, keep us where we need to be or to cut something out of our lives that ought not to be there. And Lord, we, we also recognize in our fallenness, sometimes we rail against that. But help us not to. Help us to be soft of heart, ready of mind. Help us to be willing to change, humble enough to receive the lesson you teach. And Lord, we'll thank you in advance that you love us enough to do just that. For we pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.